Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by StrikeForceEnergy.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. Yeah! Welcome to a very, very special episode of Drinking Bros. Guess who I got here tonight, kids? Uh, I know we talked about it on, a, on an old podcast, uh, but it's Father's Day week. And uh, this week, each of us is interviewing our fathers one-on-one. So I'd like to welcome my dad to the show. Welcome, Mr. Jerry Lowry. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is it weird? Is it weird uh, being here? Uh, this is strange. I mean, this is totally strange never done anything like this i've listened to the podcast God, forever and yeah. i can't even believe i'm sitting here right now yeah look you're you're one of few parents to listen to the show <laughs> i bet i think jared's parents gave up uh i think they gave up around the around episode 100 so they were, they were out after that well, I like Jared, and you know, be honest with you, I'm surprised they made it that long. <laughs> I am too. I am too. Uh, we had Vince's dad on a while back, him and his brother. Right. Uh, but his his dad's famous. Like he's been around the block. He knows this shit. Uh, he's seen it. Um, so I I think he still listens to the show. Matt's parents don't listen to the show. <laughs> They do not listen to this show. Not surprised. No, no. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I, Matt, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> and we'll we'll see if they read their book, but uh, if if they read his book, um, I'm sure they will. It's a, it's a it's going to be an awesome fucking book. But uh, look, welcome to the show. You know how this works. If you've listened to uh, all the episodes, you say you have. Uh, we got some sponsors who pay for this whole thing to be on the air. Uh, first up, uh, you know, they're our fave, uh, you, you know, they're the best in the biz. We're talking about strikeforceenergy.com, uh, the tastiest, tiniest little tin pouch of energy. It goes in, uh, waters, uh, beers, Kool-Aids, liqueurs, uh, some might even say coffee. That's a bold move. You're going to be up for a lot of the day, but, uh, but go ahead and make it, go ahead and make that move. Try it out. Write us and see how that that all went down. See how your afternoon shook out after that. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com for all your energy needs. Uh, Look, kids, kick the can. We don't need the can anymore. You you, you got a pouch. You you don't need to walk around with with bulky, bulky cans taking up a lot of bag space in your, in your, your, your backpack, if you will. Uh, they got a subscription of the month. They got some brand new flavors, which are flying off the shelves and... And they've got a subscription of the month with, uh, they got a bottle that, that squirts out a hundred of these things, a uh, hundred squirts of strike force energy. I highly recommend it. We have the subscription, go to uh strikeforceenergy.com, type in the promo code drinking bros. You get 20% off and they ship everywhere in the entire world. So you, you have no excuse. Uh, if you're in China, they'll ship to China. Uh, I don't know how that works with customs, but, uh, that's where they're shipping next up. We got ghostbed.com. Yeah. Uh, that's a, it's look, it's a fine, fine sleep. The ghost bed. Um, big, big fans of ghostbed.com. Uh, it's, it's the nicest mattress you will ever, 
ever sleep on in your entire life. Their pillows are to die for. And uh, look, you get three free pillows every time you order a bed. Um, and, and look, I know mattresses are kind of expensive. They've also got like a, a payment program, which is nice. It's a nice thing that they've got going on there. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Get $50 off a bed. Uh, they just ship it right to your house. Comes in a box and then boom, you open that shit up and uh, I sleep on it every single night. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. We're typing the promo code drinking bros and you get $50 off a bed. Uh, next up, we got a little grenade soap.com. Uh, grenade soap.com is look, it's, it's a great father's day gift. Um, I know it's past father's day, but you probably forgot. You probably forgot. Go to grenade soap.com. Get yourself a, a bar. So their fucking grenade soaps are the dopest shit you will ever get. Uh, they're OD green and combat clean. They're made with real gunpowder too, which how do you, how do you beat that? They got a bunch of dope shit there. They got some dop kits. Uh, they've got uh, some tactical toothbrushes. Uh, GrenadeSoap.com is the fucking jam. Uh, big, big fan of their soap. Go to GrenadeSoap.com, type in the promo code Drinking Bros, and you get 20% off. Look at that. It's 20, it's 20s across the board. It's 20 twins. Uh, last but not least, we got WarfighterTobacco.com. They're back, kids. Warfighter Tobacco is back. Uh, go to warfightertobacco.com for the finest cigars in all of the goddamn land. Um, also, War, Warfighter Tobacco is trying to go global. They're trying to go worldwide. So if there is a, a cigar shop near you and you want Warfighter Tobacco uh, cigars inside that shop, go up and, and talk to the owner and say, hey, man, why the fuck don't you have any, any Warfighter, uh, Warfighter cigars in here? Um and uh, you know what? Uh, those Warfighter cigars will, will reach out and try to get inside your favorite cigar stores. Uh, in the meantime, you can find all their sweetest cigars on their website, warfightertobacco.com. They've also got a dope-ass apparel, and uh, and they got a fine, fine humidor, um, which I have, which is awesome. Uh, use the promo code uh, DB10. DB10 for 10% off of everything at warfightertobacco.com. You know what? I'm going to add one more. We got a little book written by a, 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 one of the greatest authors of our time. I'm talking about uh, Ross Patterson and Matt Best. Uh, we're talking about Matt Best, Freedom the Fuck On, which is now available for pre-order on Amazon.com. Uh, if you want, look, if you want the 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 greatest, one of the greatest military books ever written, uh, imagine Deadpool, uh, written as a military book that describes Matt Best's life. Uh, it's it, it's it's something special, kids. It really changed the game in, in the military community as far as uh, as far as books go. Big fan. Go to Amazon.com and pre-order Matt Best Freedom the Fuck On. Uh, last but not least, we got a little Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, Evan Hafer is not here, but I'll go ahead and do Evan's voice for him. Black Rifle Coffee is a premium roast-to-blend coffee that can ship right to your house. They've got a subscription and wh whatever. Look, you get a subscription of it. We've all got a subscription of it. Type in the promo code Drinking Bros. Uh, you get 20% off. Uh, it is it is some of the best coffee in the land. They got K-Cups, too. That subscription will get you K-Cups. It'll also get you bags of coffee in case you, you France press it. Uh, and if you do need a France press, go to drinkingbrospodcast.com. Grab yourself a France press that J2 drinks out of. Also, we've got some amazing shirts in the store. 
with that out of the way, happy Father's Day. Uh, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So just to kind of give you a background here in case you've missed uh, some episodes uh, or, or in case our 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 chat earlier, we weren't, I, I, I wasn't clear about it. No, we weren't. I, I wasn't clear about it here because I kind of ambushed you. I kind of ambushed you, you and did. I said, you did do that. I said, hey, uh, pop on up. We're doing a podcast kind of out of nowhere. Um, what what we're, we're, we're hoping to get into here is is each of us interviewing our fathers during Father's Day week and just kind of asking about their life. Because oh, cool. uh, how many times do you get to sit down with your father and ask about his life uh, from day one all the way up through now and really find out about who they are? Well, you know, as a dad, we, we tried to impart that on you guys as you were growing up and you never wanted to listen to a fucking thing we said. No, but now, now we do. you do. Now we do. <laughs> Now we do. Uh, so it's important because this, this, this show will live on forever um, past us, past, past everybody. And it'll, it'll be a nice little moment in time, almost like a time capsule that you don't have to bury. True. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you could just go online and find it because uh, the Internet's not going anywhere in uh, 50 years. Right. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe, it is. maybe it is and there'll be a hologram of us giving the interview to each other. Well, it just depends on whether Al Gore takes it to the next step. Yeah, he won't be alive. <laughs> he won't be alive. No, man. no, he won't. Um, all right, let's. So, so let's start off. Where were you born? Okay, I was born in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, go Buckeyes. I'm a twin, uh, fraternal twin. Uh-huh. Uh, I gotta tell you, I was nine pounds six ounces. My brother Jim was seven pounds fifteen ounces. We held the record. For total weight at Mount Carmel West Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, for 33 years. Holy shit. Yeah, some Asian lady beat us out. Really? Yeah. That's 16 pounds worth of baby. I know. Boy, that had to have been a, a brutal, brutal birth. It had to be. I, I, I just don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. How many, how many brothers do you have in your family? Because you, you have a lot. Yeah, uh, well... We ha- I have six brothers. Okay. One one uh, passed as a baby, you know, well before I was born, so I didn't really know Billy. Uh, but then I have you know my twin, and then four o- older brothers. So you know, total of five. Total of five. Right. Okay. And, w- and what part of town did you grow up in, Columbus? We grew up in the Linden area. It's uh, it was a poor area of Columbus. You know, we you know we were very simple. Uh, we did okay, you know. We did okay, but it was definitely uh, an old, rundown neighborhood that we grew up in. How uh, how big was the house, square footage wise? <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I what I can tell you, what I do remember, up until age nine when we moved, we only had two bedrooms in this house. Okay, and we had five boys and the parents. Holy shit! And, and so for so the, well, one of the bedrooms was the parents, right? Well, was the parents and my brother and I. Oh, boy. We start, <laughs> We honestly started off sleeping in two dresser drawers. That was our cribs. And then uh, as we got a little bit older, then uh, mom went to the Army Depot uh-huh. and picked up uh, you know, a surplus Army bunk bed for us. So... We had the army bunk beds in their room, and then my other four brothers had the other bedroom. Okay. Uh, and how long did that last? That lasted about uh, three or four years, and then uh, 
Bob, the oldest brother, he got married young at 18. He moved out. And then uh, the other brothers, as they became of age, uh, you know, started joining the military, I think, primarily to get a little room, okay? Uh, yeah, just to, get, just to get out of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my brother Tom, he, uh, he was in the Navy. He was stationed in uh, Panama at the uh, uh, Panama Canal okay. in Balboa. How, what, what year was that? Early 60s. I, okay. I, I can't tell you for sure, but early 60s. And then. Uh, and tell the audience what year you were born. I was born in 1953. Okay. Yeah. And then um, my brother John uh, joined the Air Force, um, I'm going to say about mid 60s. And. Um, he um, uh, he took uh, uh, pilot training. Okay, he uh, I remember going to at the age of fourteen. I went to his graduation ceremony in uh, Selma, Alabama. Okay, and he uh, he was a lifer, and he retired. Now, what year was that in Selma? Do you remember? Well, let's see. I was fourteen, so I had to been about sixty-seven. Holy shit! So yeah. right right during. All of the uh, civil rights movement, like during- it, it, it was. I'd never been out of the state of Ohio. Okay, I mean, we, we didn't have any money. We didn't travel. If if we traveled anywhere, it was to go to Cincinnati and catch an occasional Reds game. Okay, so going, leaving Ohio and heading south was one of the first big experiences of my life, particularly when we finally hit Selma. And, uh, you know, first crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And I saw things on the way down there that I couldn't believe actually existed. We were at a little town in uh, Tennessee to uh, just stop, get some gas, get some lunch. And that was the first time I actually saw a building that on the side of the building, it said white with an arrow pointing to the front and colored with an arrow pointing to the back. Wow. And I think, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So it was Because that, that didn't exist in Ohio then, right? No, no. No, we didn't see anything like so that. So that racial, pre- the, the racial prejudice with uh, coloreds and whites, like segregation, that didn't exist in Ohio when you were growing no, up? No, I, I, I believe it did. I believe it existed across the entire country. It just wasn't as prevalent. It, prevalent. It wasn't put out there the way it was in the South. Gotcha. And I love the South. Don't get me wrong. I've lived yeah, yeah, 30, yeah. 40 years down here, but uh, that was my first experience with it. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So so you're growing up in Ohio during this time. Right. Uh, w- was there any fear? Because during those years, you know, it's a, it's a time of war, obviously, um, you know, Vietnam and all that stuff. Oh, Vietnam scared the shit out of all of us. Okay, you got to understand, nobody had even heard of Vietnam, you know, until the early 60s. We really didn't know what we were fighting for. We're told, well, you're fighting for our freedom. Well, you know, how in the fuck does this little podum country make a difference on the United States and our freedom? You know, we didn't understand. Right. And, you know, I'm coming of age. I had a girlfriend thinking I'm going to want to get married, and I'm just scared to death that I'm going to be forcibly taken, sent overseas, and never come back. Yeah, 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 drafted. 
And then, of course, the attitude of the country then, so much different than today, thank God. Uh, you know, the military back then was really frowned upon. Right. You know, this bullshit of guys coming back, having served their country, having gone through the horrors of war, and to be called baby killers. I mean, my God. Okay, it was a, it was a horrible time. Yeah, I you know it's funny talking to the other guys on the show, just going through the timeline of 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 the military. They said they didn't really gain a positive experience until or a positive outlook on the military from you know U.S. citizens until I kind of kind of around the two you know. Uh, it was the Gulf War. Yeah, the, that, the, the Gulf War. Yeah, the right. first Gulf War, and then especially after nine eleven, obviously. But well, uh, see, we were things hit a little closer to home for us, for Americans. Right. Okay. Right. And so we understood. Sure. You know, fuck them. We got to get them back. Okay. You know, we're gonna stop this. And so uh, the military finally became heroes. Right. Okay. Right. Right. I mean, even today, when I'm sitting on a plane. And I might be uh, upgraded to first class, and military are walking on board. People are clapping. Yeah, okay? yeah. And guys are getting up from their seats and say, "Here, take my seat. I'll take yours and coach." Right, right. Of course, then everybody's looking at me, and I don't know. Fuck that. I, I got my upgrade. I'm staying put. But thank you for your service. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's funny. I think yeah. Matt said the same thing. I was just like, "No, nah, I'm not giving up first class. I love my country and I love everybody." Right, right. I, uh, so, how close were you? How close were you to being drafted? Was that was that a thing in your? Oh my God. Okay, so they started the draft lottery. Okay. And what year was that? Do you remember? Oh, God. I want to say it was maybe around 1968, 69, right in there. Right. They started the lottery. So when you turn 18, they would, you know, draw numbers for your birthday. Sure. Okay. And then you didn't get drafted until age 19. But that gave you a year to kind of know where you were going to be. Now, um, when they, the first year, my number was like 344, which meant I wouldn't have gone anywhere, but I wasn't eligible yet. Right. The next year it was like, eh, 290. Okay. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be fucked. Yeah. Okay. So my year finally came up and I hate to even, you guys, I hate to even tell you this number, but we drew number 69. welcome to drinking bros you know you you know it had to be in there somewhere it had to be it had to be so uh and how so you're 18 years old i'm 18 and what year is this that would be 71 okay gonna be eligible for the draft in 72 so remember now i have a fraternal twin sure also remember i i told you brother john made a life out of the air force Yeah, yeah 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 so at that time there was an air base near Columbus, just outside Columbus. It was called Lockbourne, Lockbourne Air Force Base. Later, it became Eddie Rickenbacker, Rickenbacker Field. So I didn't know what the hell we were going to do. And Brother John, he says, I'll make you guys a deal. Next year, if you, if you get your notice, just come to me. I'll throw you in the car. We'll go to the Air Force Base, 
and we'll get you enlisted in the Air Force Reserves and we'll back it up a day so that you were already enlisted before you received your notice. He said, now you're going to serve, right. but you're only going to be gone a couple of years. Right. So I thought, okay, that's a good deal. Sure, sure. Now, Jim, he couldn't handle that. So he went off and joined the uh, Ohio National Guard. Okay. Okay. Back in those days with the National Guard, eh, you know, no offense to anybody, but it was considered a cakewalk after you were gone for four months. You had your weekend duty once a month. You right. had your two weeks in the summer. You know, long hair was, you know, the style back then. Of course, you couldn't have it in the service. So they would go out and buy these $2 wigs. And when they had to, you know, go for, uh, you know, the weekend and tuck their hair up under this wig and they got away with it. You're you know, kidding. It was just an easy So they were, they were wearing wigs the whole weekend? Way to serve. Hmm? They were wearing wigs the whole weekend? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> in the two weeks in the summer. So he did that and... Uh, me, I decided, well, you know what? I'm going to hold up because I think it's going to work. Now, we were trying to wind down, and, you know, President Nixon, no matter how he ended up, was trying to get us out of Vietnam. Okay. Okay, he was trying to wind down the draft. So they took the draft numbers way down, and that year they stopped the draft at number 53. Holy shit. So you missed it by 16. Yeah. Wow. So, so I didn't have to take John up on his offer. Jim, you know, he served out his years in the National Guard, and everybody was happy. Wow. That's yeah. that's, that's crazy. But that was that was scary times for us. Yeah. Very well, scary. Was it as scary as you thought? Like, did you have, uh, you know, friends from high school and all that stuff? Oh, getting I, had, I had friends, plenty of friends from high school that did go. Did they, they make it back home safely? Most of them did, thank God. Okay. Only a couple didn't make it. But, right. you know, the others did. Uh, most of the ones that came back were pretty good. All right. Okay, you know, and uh, we're ready to get on with life and that. But I knew a handful that, you know, just couldn't recover from what they experienced. Okay, I don't sure. know whatever happened to them. I mean, you know, you know, we're talking 50 years now or whatever. Yeah. Uh, 40, 50 years. So don't know what happened, but... I did get to see some of the aftermath. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, okay, you graduate high school. Right. Uh, you you miss Vietnam, yep. thankfully. Right. Um, then what? You, you decide to go to college, get a job. What were you doing at that point in your life? <laughs> I wasn't doing a fucking thing. I, I was a bum. You know, I was living at home. Uh, still living at home. Still living at home. In that two-bedroom place. Oh, no, no. We had moved to a three-bedroom since then. And then most, oh, you gained a bedroom. You we did bedroom. gain a bedroom. The uh, The older brothers, you know, had moved out. So it's just, you know, Jim, myself, mom and dad. So, you know, pretty good. You know, right. uh, pretty good. But I, I just wasn't motivated. Okay. I will tell you that when I graduated from high school, you needed – you really needed a 2.0 average to point, you know, pull a C. Right. And they went ahead and let me graduate with a 1.98. I just, you know, again, my my role models, okay, were guys on welfare. 
okay. And from the neighborhood, or yeah, from the neighborhood. You know, I mean, we, again, we were in a poor old neighborhood. Sure, I didn't have any role model to really, you know, bring me up or make me want to, you know, do good. Okay, so um, I had a hard time holding down a job. You know, it'd be various factory jobs. You know, I'd work three or four weeks and and then not. I mean, I didn't have any money pressures because I was living at home. Right, but. At age 19, I did get married, okay, and... Uh, did you guys go to high school together? We went to high school together, and then we got married, and, and it was planned after two years that we were going to start a family, Right. okay, and um, she got pregnant, okay, and so, you know, the, you know, the oldest son, Scott, was born, and then two years later, Michelle was born. But it was when she was pregnant that I thought, what the hell? I have a family to support, and I haven't done crap with my life. Right. Uh, so I went to the IBEW and International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. I thought, I liked working with electricity in that, okay? So I thought, I'll become an electrician. They had an apprentice program. Right. Okay. After four years, you get your journeyman. They wouldn't accept me because I didn't have a 2.0 average out of high school. It didn't matter. It was 1.98. And I said, man, I have really screwed the pooch. Right. So I ended up going to college. I started off. Uh, what college did you go to? I started off with DeVry. Okay. And uh, taking uh, electronics communications. And I got my associate's degree from them. And then... Now, what year is this? Oh, let's see. This would have been like 1974. Okay. Uh, so they didn't have those DeVry commercials back then? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I, got, I did get uh, a job with a company as a uh, technician. Man, I was in seventh heaven. I, you know, I felt good. Hell, I was making four eighty five an hour. That was big ass money then. Okay, four dollars and eighty five cents. Yes, yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now I'm motivated. Oh, and by so then I decide, okay, I want to progress into management. And I've said, I I needed I, I need another degree. I need a degree in business administration. I got accepted at Ohio State, but I couldn't get the hours for my classes that I wanted back then, okay, because I had to work. Right. Like, I had to work full-time. So there was a another college in Columbus, Franklin University. Yeah, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll state this for the audience, because having gone to Ohio State, right. y y you think, you know, when you go to college, you sign up for classes, you know, you, I, I'm an, I want the 7 a.m. class, or I want the 3 p.m. class. That's not how it works. No. They just put you in whatever classes they decide to put you in, and if you have a fucking problem with it, that that's it. Uh, it's... Tough shit. Um, yeah, they were much less flexible then than they are today. I, th yeah. They're not even flexible today. Okay. So, right. so that that's that maintained over thirty years. Right. Uh, so, so I get it. I get so it. So I went to Franklin. Mm -hmm. Okay, to get my degree in business administration. Now I'm so fucking motivated now. Okay, I know what life's about. I know what I need to do, and I worked my ass off between going to you know working during the day going to classes at night that 
for three years, I carried a 4.0 average at Franklin. Wow. Yeah. It was Just because you cared. It was, you know, it was a fucking accounting class. I, you know, debits and credits, I can't ever get them straight. You know? <laughs> so that one killed my 4.0, but I ended up graduating with a 3.6. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Right. And so that's what got me started, got me going now. Sure. Right. So did did having a degree open up more doors for you uh, to get a, another job, consider another job? Well, the first thing it did is open the door for me to get a promotion in the uh, company I was working for. That's great. I went from being a, a bench technician to uh, supervising, uh, you know, production of electronic assembly. You know, I yeah. had sixty-four people working for me. Actually, it was sixty-four women working for me. What a trip! Yeah, wow. That's sixty-four women working. Even for you. women will tell you that. Supervising women is the worst. No offense, anybody. <laughs> anyone, any bro that's listening knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I can't imagine. Holy <laughs> shit! Uh, just trying to ma- manage the the period cycles has got to oh, be tough. Oh my god, it was it was it was. You know, my my boss. The one thing he he had this thing. He said I. He insisted that every morning, I had to go down the line to each person and say good morning to them. Personally, okay, that was his thing, and if I, you know, skipped a day, I got my ass kicked, and he sent sent me right out there to make it up to get it done. That's the thing he said. I like that though. That's a that's a you know, and it was okay. But now here's the thing: so you're going down the line, right? You got all these women working, and this is my example. So I say, "Good morning." Then I go to the next one. Good morning. How are you? Now the other one's pissed. You only said good morning to me. You said good morning. How are you to her? You like her better. What the hell's wrong kidding. with me? No, I swear to God, this is the kind of crap that I ran into. So you, you would just say good morning all, um, yeah, all these different ways or the same way to 64 well, you women? You really just needed to be consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Right. You yeah. learned that really quick, though. Really quick. Yeah. Real quick, yes. <laughs> All right, so you're there. You, you got a promotion. Uh, you got a little more bread in your pockets. Um, what, what, did you buy your first house? What did you do? Well, actually, I did buy my first house, and uh, it was a you know very small house that I you know I bought. What and, year was this? Uh, let's see. That would have been 1977, I believe. Okay. Uh, okay. And then I uh, had that house for about a year, and then I just said, oh, I, I can do better than this now. So, you know, uh, house prices were going up fairly well. My first house was only $35,000. Wow. And it was brand new. Okay. And this, yeah. is in, this is in Columbus. In Columbus. Yeah. And then uh, about a year or so later, I found that I could sell it for 40000 bucks. I said, are you fucking kidding me? Wow. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, so I sold that and bought another house, a big house. Okay, it was like sixty-eight thousand bucks, which was unheard of. But then uh, the wife and I were having some issues, and divorce came in the picture. Right. Okay. It was shortly after we bought the new house, so any equity that we could have had, you know, well, of course, was lost. Sure. You know, it was gone, and so. Now I'm uh, I'm a bachelor, so to speak. Okay, trying to you know keep active in my two kids' life. Right. All right. Because I'm you know I, one thing 
My ex can call me all kinds of names. But the one thing she won't say is that I was a bad dad, because I wasn't. Right. You know, I, I did what I was supposed to do. Sure. All right. So um, I'm single for a few months, and I'm at work, and they decided that they needed to hire... I'm going to say a shared secretary, okay? She was going to come in and do clerical work for me and three other guys, okay? We were going to share, you know, the, you know, her services, right. okay? And for me, you know, she'd type memos, file away blueprints after they were used for the assembly. And it was a woman by the name of Diane Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had to interview her. Right. We all had an interviewer, right? And I could tell she was a really nice person. She had a young son that she needed to take care of. Also, recently divorced. A young genius. A young, a young genius. Ge- Ross yeah. Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> that one. <laughs> and um, so we ended up hiring her, and. You know, we didn't have computers yet. You know, I mean, not to the degree that we have today. Sure, it's probably so t- it's typewriters, right? Typewriter, yeah. You know, IBM Selectric. Yep. And I'm watching over. She, Her desk was across from mine. Uh, she's just staring at the typewriter. Uh, so I go walking over. I said, you need any help? Uh, Mr. Lowry, that's the only time I've been called Mr. Lowry by her, of course. Right, right. I don't know how to turn this thing on. So right here, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> so didn't know how to use a typewriter. You, hi- you hired a secretary who didn't know how to use a typewriter. Did not, I don't know how the hell she pulled that off. Okay, master of deception, but she pulled it off, got in there, and then a little bit later, Mr. Lowry, I have a problem. I said, what? And there was a tab that she had to move to set the margin. Right. Well, she didn't know she had to push it in to slide it over. So she snapped the tab right off. Oh, shit. What am I going to do? I'm going to get fired. Don't worry about it. Just call these people. Tell them we need service. Right. It was our IBM service guy, and he came out, fixed the typewriter. I signed off the uh, invoice all was well and good. Right. All was right. well and good. So that's how, Ross, that's how I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the TV show. Just like the TV show. Just like the TV show, except yeah. we get to spare you eight seasons of bullshit for, for a terrible finale. Yes. Um, all right. So, so y- you guys meet here. Uh, you end up dating, um, which, which is a no-no at the workplace. Very much a no-no. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you end up, you end up getting married. We did. Um, and then you, you, you got a house. Did you, did you buy that house? Well, no, we, uh, what we did is we did get married and let me give some advice to everybody out there. We got married on Valentine's day. Right. We thought that was the coolest thing in Las Vegas, by the way. I mean, sure. it's our second marriage. So we take off, we go to Las Vegas, a nice wedding, but it's on Valentine's day. Now. I thought that that would, was the coolest thing, the smartest thing. I was so fucking stupid. Okay, you have your anniversary. When's your anniversary? October nineteenth. Yes, okay. October nineteenth is my anniversary. So, if you decide on the eighteenth, let's go out tomorrow for dinner. We'll go to that place you like. Yeah. All right. 
You'll call them right up and get a table. No problem. No yep. problem. No problem. You'll call the floors. Yep. Yeah, let me have a dozen roses. Be 49 here in an hour. bucks. Yep. Yeah. Be here in an hour. Okay. Yeah. Now, for me, I got to make reservations four or five months in advance. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Or else I'm not getting a table. Right. Those $49 roses are going to cost me 110 bucks. Yep. 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 So, uh, not a smart idea. So, any of you are thinking, hey, Let's get married on Valentine's Day or some other special holiday. Screw that. Give it at least a week either side. Yeah, pick, pick any other day of the year. Right, right. <laughs> so you, you guys are married. I remember, oh, boy. I remember when Reagan got shot, uh, our house got robbed. <laughs> yeah. Um, did, did you own that house at the time? Did you buy it or no, you were renting no, it? No, that one we rented because um, we're getting a lot of pressure at work. We don't like married couples. You can't be married and work here. Right. Which, st- hey, it still stands to this day. No, nah, that's bullshit because there were at least three or four other married couples here. Right. Okay, which I you know, brought up. But you could understand that in the workplace, how it's frowned upon because it, it creates you, conflict. Then, but then you do it across the board. Right. Not just with this one couple. Sure. But we were the most visible couple. Okay. So we were renting that house and it was the, and the day Reagan got shot. Uh, you were at daycare, little Buckeye daycare, and there was a Chi-Chi's Mexican restaurant that we really liked. Big fan of Chi-Chi's. We really liked it. I don't think they exist, uh, that exists anymore, by the I way. I don't think it does. No. So after work, we got off at 3.30, so I, we decided, let's head down the road, get some cheese dip, margarita or two, and then we'll come back and pick up Ross. Right. And so... We did that, went to pick you up, came home, and found that our door had been kicked in. Now, the thing is, we had just gotten married like six, seven weeks before that. Both of us are coming off a divorce. Right. We didn't have crap. We had a a dining room table. We had the beds and the two bedrooms and a love seat and an old black and white TV. That's it. Right. That's it. And so I know they were disappointed as hell when they kicked in that But they one. took everything. If but, I, 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 I was still, little. I was, I was very, very young. But I, I remember they, they took everything except for, for what was in the know, kids' room. Didn't they slash the, the – uh, Except for the big – you know, except for the, uh, the, you know, like the big pieces of furniture, the two big pieces because that's all we had. Right. I mean, they took your mother's jackets. We had a fancy telephone, uh, like one of those old French phones – in the bedroom, they took that. Okay, that was really and the TV, of course. I mean, that 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 was about all there was to take. But here we are, living on nothing. Right. And I didn't think it could get worse than that, but it did. And then it did. It, it actually did. And then you were so traumatized by it that you know for about a year you had a hard time falling asleep. Because you were worried that the bad people were going to come back and take the rest of our stuff. Yeah, it look yeah. as a kid being that young, you know, right. that sticks with you, where you're just like, "Holy shit!" Because I remember being in the car with you guys, and we all came home together, obviously. And then you f- you find this, and right. then your whole entire house. I remember you would, I, I think, told me to stay in the car, uh, and my mom, I think, uh, told the two of you to stay in the car because I didn't know if they were still in there or not. Yeah, 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 and. 
Like I said, we didn't have shit. So I'm looking around. What am I going to arm myself with? Right, right. I find a brick. I've also a brick, okay? <laughs> so I have a brick in my left hand going through the house. So if somebody's going to fuck with me, I'm going to hit him with a brick. Yeah. Okay? If there's three of them in there, they're all three going to get hit with a brick. I'm, I'm going to be a mad bass and just kill them all, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it was it was uh, very scary. You got a gun after that, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I did. And um, I th- by the way, I think for most civilians out there, that that's when you do get a gun is when usually after something bad happens. Uh, I remember I got my first one after I got robbed in L.A. Well, the girls that worked for me at at, at the company, they took up a collection. They collected like uh, seventy bucks. Not bad for back then. Sure. Okay. And so I said, I'm getting a gun. Now, I had a hard time finding a gun for under 70 bucks. Right. But I did pick up a 32 uh, Beretta. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What's well, the early 80s at this point? And, so, yeah. uh, you know, and, you know, the slide on it was, you know, a little tight, kind of hard to work, but, you know, I could work it fine. Sure. So I decided I'm going to take your mother out because she needs to know how to use this gun. So there's a, a range north of Columbus, outdoor range, and so I take her up there, and I get it loaded up, put it in her hand, and say, okay, now shoot at that target. And, God, you couldn't believe how sad that was, you know. Her head buried in her chest, arm above her head. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was horrible. And then, So then I said, okay, now I take the clip out, and I said, now what I want you to do just put the clip in there, cock it, I said, just, you know, cock it and then fire it. So she slides the clip in, she goes to slide it back, and then she starts screaming. Probably got her hand caught in there, right? She did. Yeah. She got her damn yeah. hand caught in there. And again, I told you, it, it wasn't an easy slide to begin with. Sure. I couldn't get her fucking hand out of there. And I'm... I'm thinking, what am I? I'm going to have to rip her hand off. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do. I finally got it back enough to where her hand came out of out of it, and um, that gun, I still have it, yeah, sitting in my safe, but it has not been fired for probably 32, 33 years. Uh, actually, in a couple of weeks, an uh, old Navy guy. Uh, up in Atlanta, I'm going to bring it and give it to him because he wants a gun. And yeah, I, I mean, I I really don't need it. Wow, well, I'd keep one in the house. Well, I'd yeah, but not. But house. you know what? Not that one. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> right. that one's going to take some work. Right, it hasn't been clean. Hasn't been. Well, at oiled. least you haven't been robbed in that long. No, so. no. So that does show something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So so at this point, do you do you, do you decide to stay or do you move? Well, a lot of people after they get robbed, they move. Uh, okay. I remember when we got robbed in Los Angeles, we were living with a couple women, uh, Summer, Tristan's wife that you know, right? Uh, some of my best friends from college, and they they didn't want to stay in that house anymore, uh, so we moved. Well, it wasn't because of that, okay? But we're getting a lot of pressure at work, and so they called your mother into the office, to the front office, and said, "We can't have the two of you here anymore." One of you has to go, and we'd rather it be you. And they said that to to you or to, no, to, to mom? her? Okay, yeah. Okay, because she was secretary, I sure. was supervisor. Yeah. Okay, 
And so then after that, they came to me and, and so I said, you know what we've talked about and we agree with you. Okay. Uh, we don't need to both be here and it should be her to go, but I really need her income. So I need you to give me, you know, enough time for her to find another job so she can walk from this one to another one. Right. And they said, well, that's reasonable. We'll do that. You know, stupid fucks. I had my resume going all over the country. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. Know, we were both going to be leaving. Right. And, right. Uh, and uh, a few weeks later, uh, I found a job with Scientific Atlanta, you know, in Atlanta. Big company. Big company. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a dream job doing basically what I'd been doing up there. And back then, Atlanta did not have much of an employment base you know they didn't right. have all the high-tech companies but it was that, about it was about to go through it because we're looking at 80s here uh yeah. and it was it was about to go through a boom a, a well major boom. it was but see by me coming in right before it boomed right i was able to get the kind of relocation package that only you know uh fortune 500 ceos yeah paid, high level know. executives everything yeah. was paid okay transportation moving down payment on a house the whole shebang so that's when we left uh, Columbus was, and it was for the job, and it was to get away from that and, and basically start over again, without having to deal with, you know, the marriage with two employees that sure. type of thing. Sure. And I, now at this point, you've only been to the South one time, right? Uh, and now you're moving there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was that? Was that a culture shock? Yes, it was. It, it was, and. Matter of fact, I'll tell you a little story. When I was interviewing with Scientific Atlanta, I had a whole day of interviews with a whole slew of people. And one of the big managers was going to have a lunch interview with me. So he says, well, you know, we're going to go out for lunch. I'll drive. And we get in his car. He says, I need to stop for gas. Right. He was at a, a truck stop. And I, and I said, you know what? I could, while he was pumping, I said, I could really use the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go walking in there, and I said, um, I'd like to use the restroom, please. Sorry, we don't have one. Oh, that, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I go walking back, and he said, you done already? And I said, no, they don't have a bathroom. I'll just wait till we get to the restaurant. So he gets unpumping. He wasn't paying it to pump back then. Okay, right. so he goes inside to pay. I'm walking with him, talking. I open up the door, and a set of keys literally bounce off my chest and hit the floor. And I looked at the girl behind the counter. I said, well, what the hell is this? She says, it's the keys to the bathroom. It's around back and to the left. You just told me you didn't have a bathroom. Right. And she said... You see those two blacks out there walking to their car, and she didn't use the word black. Right. She said, they were in here, and I didn't want them to know we had a bathroom because then they're all going to want to come in here and use it. So feel free to use it. And I looked at this guy that's interviewing me. I mean, I'm in shock. Right. And he's in shock. <laughs> Neither one of us had experienced anything. Yeah, like. and this is the eighties. Like this, this is the eighties. Yeah, but yeah. Civil rights, uh, civil rights, and all that was in the sixties. Like right. And yet, but yet, the South is still going through this at this time. Exactly. Well, well, welcome to the South. There you go. And I, I remember, uh, you know, getting back to the hotel room that night, motel room, and uh, calling your mother. 
You're not going to believe what happened. I'm not sure if this is where we ought to live or not, because we also, at that time, we still had the child murders. If people remember the child murders with Wayne Williams uh, being convicted and bodies being thrown in the Chattahoochee River. and Right. That hadn't been solved yet. Oh, so man. So we, we weren't sure. Right. <laughs> if Atlanta was the place to bring you. Yeah. And raise you. Because remember now, you're about four years old now. Sure. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. So, so you're at Scientific Atlanta. Are you making decent, decent money? Actually, at that time, I thought I had made it in life. Because, you know, I am making decent money. You know, looking right. back, you know, no, not really. But, you know, at that time, that was the most money I'd ever made. Sure. So, I'm, oh, yeah, we're happy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I remember we lived in an apartment for a while, though. We did. Yeah. We did. And, uh, and, and was that because you were looking for houses? Or? Yeah. Okay. Well, we didn't. What we wanted to do, we decided we wanted to give it a minimum of a year, maybe two, so that we would know the area before we tried to lock in on a house. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and, Je- and Jesse and I did that here as well. Right, All right. right. So, so that makes sense. Because yeah. I remember vaguely that growing up, uh, living in, a, in an apartment complex yes. for, for a year, and that, that was the reason why. Right. Okay, right. gotcha. So so you're at Scientific Atlanta, and how long, how long are you there for? Before, Because uh, I, I know your dream was, was to, to own your own company. Well, uh, you know, and, and at that time... I, I I couldn't even imagine owning my own company. I liked working for somebody. I liked being able to leave work and not give a fuck about anything and then sure. go back to work the next day and do my job. I was very good at what I did. I had a very good reputation. So I really wasn't worried about losing my job or anything. I felt security. But then uh, after about three years there, uh-huh. Uh, our product line that I was supervising, which was the cable boxes, you know, back then for top your TV, um, they'd come up with a new design, but we weren't getting the numbers and the costs that they wanted. So unbeknownst to all of us, they ended up contracting the uh, manufacturing of the boxes to uh, Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that was the first experience. When I was in Ohio, okay, back in the 70s, we saw a lot of jobs. Going overseas? No, going to the south. Oh, gotcha. Okay. We lost a lot of jobs up there, you know, the area called the Rust Belt. Right. You know, because companies, electronic companies were moving to the south, the Sun Belt. Sure. Okay, so basically... Eventually, I followed the job market to the Sun Belt, right. you know, coming to Atlanta. Had no idea that we would ever lose our jobs overseas. Sure. And that was, you know, one of the first. So, so is, is, that, is that where the, the, the germ of the idea of, oh, shit, maybe I should start my own company came in? Well, then it came in the back of my mind because I saw so many people. Losing their jobs. Right. And I had upper management you know, telling me nobody has to worry. We have jobs for everybody. You need to go out there and tell them. You need to go out there and make sure that they know they don't need to leave here. You know, they wanted to keep manufacturing going for about three or four months before it picked up in Japan. They couldn't have everybody leaving. All right. It would have fallen to hell too early. Right. So they told me, 
that, hey, soon as, if they stay, we're going to guarantee them jobs in other divisions. It's no problem. So I went out to the floor, and I guaranteed everybody that they had their jobs. Right. Don't leave. Stay. So 90% of them stayed based on what I told them. Sure. And then the day that they flipped the switch in Japan, they came in and laid everybody off. And how, how, how far along was that? After, after you made that speech to your employees? About three or four months. Shit. And so I've got, and again, there it was primarily women. Okay, not that that means anything, but, uh, you know, they were more emotional about it. Yeah. And I was the asshole. It wasn't, you know, the president and then, well, you were the, the yeah, you were you were the guy. Yeah, I was the mouthpiece. Yeah, you were the messenger. I convinced them to stay because I believed it, and now they're all laid off, and some of them had good jobs, like at Lockheed Martin, and that that they well actually it was Martin Marietta. Yeah, then, yeah, and uh, that they could have taken, oh, but boy. they didn't because they wanted to stay, you know, with Scientific Atlanta and possibly with me as their supervisor because I was a good supervisor. And sure. now I let them all down. Right. And that's when I said, you know what? Fuck this shit. I, 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 I want to do my own thing. Of course, I had no idea what. It would take several years before it finally clicked in for me. Right. Well, I, and I think that's important because we have a lot of entrepreneurs on the show. Right. Uh, talking about, you know, how and why they made the decision to open up their own company. Right. Um, and it all starts somewhere. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah, right. So essentially, that was kind of your starting point, but it took you a few years to figure out what you were going to do. It did because you got to try, you know, you try some things that you think it's really going to work. Sure. And they fail. And they fail. Yeah. And you got to be able to know that. Yeah. And, and, and I think uh, it's important for a lot of people out there because uh, most entrepreneurs, they're not successful in their first venture. Right. You got to fail a few times before, you know. You go on and you're successful in something. Do you know, let me tell you something. When in the business I'm in now, when I went for my first credit line, I went, you know, we went four or five years before we decided we need a bank line of credit. Right. And we had the bank people in. And we had all the figures laid out. Back at that time, we were able to document, I mean, truly document 20% growth per year for the last five years. Right. Okay. It kept going up. You know, the number of employees kept going up. Right. We were the perfect candidates for a credit line. Right. No. 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 We weren't. Yep. Why? Because they were uncomfortable because they saw these five years of growth. Okay. And they said, but you haven't had a downturn. I said, no, we're that good. No, we like to see a failure. We like to see a downturn because that gives us a chance to see how you can come out of trouble. Right. Okay. They wanted to see that. They wanted to, us to be able to demonstrate that because to them, anybody can do a job if everything's going right. Okay. But it takes a failure. So that's for the entrepreneurs out there. Don't get pissed. Don't get discouraged if you try something and it fails. Figure out what failed. Was it the wrong market, the wrong product, whatever. Right. And try again. 
and then try again. Yeah, and then keep trying and keep trying. It will because it will. It will eventually click. Right. And that's what it did for us. So uh, what year is this that you decide to start your own company? 1989. 1989. And what did you specialize in? Well, see, again, my background was electronic manufacturing, so that's what I knew. And at that point, more and more companies are looking offshore to get their cables made, their board assemblies made, whatever. Cheaper labor costs. So I had stumbled on a guy in Helen, Georgia. Helen's a little resort town about, you know, an hour north gorgeous of place. Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, gorgeous place. Gorgeous. It's styled after uh, Bavaria. Yes. Okay. Very small. And um, In the uh, mountains, but, in the but mountains, very gorgeous. In the yes. mountains, yeah. yes. And this guy owned, I found out, I don't know how I came across him. I think uh, the guy that worked on a couple of our machinery, you know, for electronic assembly knew him from... Uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti. So he owns a company in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Right. Gave me his name, number. So I called him, and it just so happened he was up in Helen. So I went up to talk to him. So I got this idea. You have this company that makes things in Port-au-Prince. Labor rate's very cheap. Yeah. Okay, 30 cents an hour, whatever. So I said, how about if I independently represent you i'll go to companies up here that are looking to get things made offshore we'll get their drawings their materials we'll send it down to you you put it together send it back here i'll get it to them and i thought that is going that's the kick-ass idea right that's the one that's going to make me money right so we did our deal i made mm, several trips to port of prince lovely country isn't it <laughs> Lovely. You have an experience. You have armed guards, Anything. right? Did you, did you have armed guards down there? Didn't have armed guards, um, but I did have, uh, you know, he had a guy who worked for him who was, you know, Haitian. Right. Kind of a wise guy. I mean, he knew everybody, okay? He had sure. a car to drive because, you know, they provided him a car. He knows everybody. He's he, like a Rocco. He's got a guy. Yeah, he's go. got a guy. There you go. Yeah. So whenever I was there, he was assigned to me. He would okay. pick me up at the airport. He would pick me up at the hotel, take me back to the hotel. If I was smoking back then, and uh, cigarettes, yeah. Okay. So, right, well, look, we're just clarifying for well, the audience. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. It was cigarettes, and uh, <laughs> you know, and of course, the only thing you could get down there was you know that, that Haitian stuff. And uh, but then I would just his name was Claudie, Claudie Jean. All right. I said, Claudie, I need some Marlboro. Yeah. Give me two dollar, okay. Thirty minutes later, he'd be back with a pack of marble Boom. for me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was my go-to guy. Got a uh, guy. Got right, a guy. Right. So right. You, you open up your own company at this point. Uh, how supportive is your family? Um, my mother-in-law, your grandmother, yeah, was the biggest support of anyone in the entire family. Probably, if it wasn't for her support. I'd have given up on the whole thing because everybody else, no. Thought you were crazy. Yeah. 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 When's Jerry going to get a job? Right. A real, yeah. a real job. Yeah. yeah a yeah, real yeah, job. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a job. And, well, cause that, that's the thing is, is, is most, most people, uh, associate having a real job with you working for somebody else. Right. Having a standard paycheck that, that, right. that comes home and that's that. Right. But 
owning your own company is a real job at the end of the day. It's just extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult. The hours are murder. Yeah. The pay is shit. Right. Okay. Probably not making minimum wage when you account for the hours. Sure. But she was the only one. You know, Jerry Lowry is brilliant. Jerry Lowry is going to make it. Jerry Lowry needs to do what he's doing. And I had nothing but grief. Yeah. Everyone else, except for your mother. Although, you know, she would hear things like from her father. Sure. And that would that would work on her a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah. It would put some seeds of doubt into her head. But overall, you know, it's your grandma Joseph. She was the one. Right. Yeah. Right. So so and and where did this company start? If I remember correctly as a kid, I think it was in the basements. The basement of our house. Is that is that true? Well, no, this particular company actually started in our dining room. Okay. 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 Um, this one failed. Problem here is now we had this thing, this disease called AIDS. Right. That was really starting to, you know, gain everyone's attention. Rumors back then, well... Some said it started in West Africa. Right. Some said it started in Haiti. In Haiti, yeah. Yeah, okay. I remember that. And so I'd get these electronic boards built, bring them back, okay, to have the company inspect them, and if they liked them, I'd get their contract. They couldn't get their quality control people to look at them. Nobody wanted to touch them because they thought they were going to get fucking AIDS from touching this electronic You're kidding. Board. I didn't know this. Yeah, no, that's what happened. And that's what ultimately shut the company down. It really did. Holy shit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Between that and, um, and the fact that Haiti at that time was trying to become a democracy. Right. Okay. Carter was pushing that. Gotcha. And 85% of the people were illiterate. Right. So democracy only works, you know, if you have a little bit of smarts, if you will, you know, to govern by the people. Yeah. Okay. You make an intelligent, informed decision. If you're so, you know, the ballots down there uh, didn't have names. They were only pictures. And after they voted, they would take their little pinky and they would dip it in ink, pink right. ink. And that's how they knew that they had voted and they couldn't come back and vote again. If somebody came back to vote and they had a pink pinky, well, you already voted. You can't vote. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And there was an extreme amount of violence. See, we take voting for granted here. Yeah. Sometimes you can't get people out to vote. People were willing to risk themselves to vote. So that's one thing I can say about the Haitian people, you know, is that they really wanted this. Yeah. So there was a lot of government term, turmoil at the time. Turmoil, too. AIDS is going on. So at any rate, you know, and then my last night there, um, I was staying at a hotel near the presidential palace, and then all this gunfire erupted. I was laying on the floor halfway under the bed, and that's where I slept that night because I was afraid of a stray bullet coming through. Sure. Next morning... I got on that plane. As soon as the wheels, you know, went up, yep. I said, I'm never going to be back here again. <laughs> so that one failed. Yeah. Now, later. Uh, when does the next one start? Actually, about 1991. 
Okay. About a year and a half later. And what was this one? This one is what eventually got me to where I'm at today. Okay. Okay. Uh, I had a friend, and uh, his name was Chuck, and uh, Chuck uh, was repairing converter boxes, uh, set-top boxes, yeah. in his garage. He needed some help. Yeah, and these are, by, by the way, for the audience at home, these are the converter boxes you see on top of your television, like a normal cable box, right? Right, yeah. right, right. Black box, yeah. Right, yeah. and so um, he needed some help. He knew I wasn't, you know, working full time. I was doing odd jobs, anything I could do to, you know, keep, you know, supporting the family. Hell, I had a paper route. Yeah. Okay, I'm 39 years old, and I'm throwing papers for the Atlanta Journal. Like I did when I was eleven up in Columbus. Yeah, I look. I, I remember that. I remember uh, uh, coming down because you didn't tell us you were doing that. You didn't. Well, you didn't tell me at least. I didn't tell you. Yeah. mom knew. Yeah, uh, and I believe we were the only people renting in the neighborhood as well, right? right? Renting a right. house at that point. Yes. Yeah, and I didn't find that out until a kid at school, uh, whose asshole dad told me. Right. Um. You know, his dad told him, and I, you know, I, I'd said something to the kid at school. This kid in turn said that to me, and I remember asking. And then you guys, you guys had told me that story, right? right. And I, I didn't know, right. you know, because I, I thought we lived in a nice neighborhood. Well, and, we were, which well, we I mean, did. We were in a nice yeah, neighborhood, yeah. but we were renting the house. We were renting, and, and uh, you know, I took some shit for that as a kid, but I, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't fully understand, right, right, at the time. And there was another time where I got up, and it was. You know, I couldn't sleep, and uh, I want to say it was like four, four thirty in the morning, and I found you out in the garage rolling newspapers, getting ready for this paper route. Um, and, and I saw you, and I didn't know why. Uh, I didn't know what you were doing, and then you you had told me. Right. Um, and uh, at this point, you're doing this to not only support your family, but also try to make your dream happen. Well, see, that's the thing is that you know I made just enough money. You know, you threw papers from the car. Right. Okay. Yeah, you just rolled the window down, drove on yeah, the other side of the and street. Just, and, yeah. You know, throw them in the driveways, whatever. And uh, uh, we didn't have to collect money today like we did back in the early days where you had to go knock on doors and try to collect, you know, your your money for the paper for the week. Uh, you know, the the Atlanta Journal, they, they billed everybody right. and they sent them a check. You get a check once a month from the Atlanta Journal, but I got just enough in that check to cover the rent. And, you know, I mean, I had a couple of guys, you know, who knew about it and said to me, Oh, I would never stoop so low. Well, fuck you. I'm paying my rent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Any know? means necessary. There, there is no shame in doing what you need to do to take care of your family. Yeah. So, uh, so those are the kind of things I was doing. He said, I mean, I could really use some help. That's all right. And, he was living in Florida. He wanted to move to Atlanta, and that house we were renting had a huge garage. Right. And I said, you know, we can use my garage, and we can set up in there. And so that's what we did for the next year. We did that work, you know, right out of our garage there, as you, you know, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you know, and, well, and, well remember. And uh, and a good, look, let's let's tell the kids at home here, working out of a garage in Atlanta uh, with no AC. <laughs> you got four or five months a year where it's Ooh, brutal boy. as hell. Brutal it is hot. Hey, January's no picnic either because it gets cold enough. Yeah, it gets there. cold in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah the weather the, switches. Yes, it does. The so, weather switches. Yes. So after about a year or so of doing that, he decided he didn't want to do this anymore. Okay. He was going to go back to work for a major corporation. Yeah. 
I said, man, what the hell am I supposed to do? He said, you know what? All this test equipment is yours. Really? So he just gave it to you? Yeah. He said, I don't need it. It's yours. So now I'm on my own. And then um, about a year doing that on my own. And then I came across a guy, an engineer that I used to work with, Scientific Atlanta. Right. He was working on the amplifiers to bring the signal across the city into the home. And I was working on the cable boxes. Right. And we decided, well, hey, why don't we know, partner up? Yeah, yeah. Why don't we partner up and see what we can do with this? And uh, we did. And then we found, uh, we say, you know, we can't be doing this like this. So uh, we looked around and we found a place uh, uh, to rent, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, in an office park to, you know, put it together. And that's how it started. And All right. Cause it, so so you went from the dining room to the garage. I remember at one point you were in a basement, too. Well, what happened, okay, you mentioned you know how the weather in Atlanta can be so dicey. Yeah. Well, that was a promotion for me was that I finally said, you know what? Fuck this. I'm moving it in the basement. Yeah. I'm in climate control now. Yeah. I'm in seventh yeah, yeah. heaven. You made it. I did. You yeah. made it. Yeah. Uh, I also remember as a child, uh, growing up, there was, there was a UPS man who was, who was coming by every day. Uh, Cal, Cal that, was his name. That, Love Cal. That's his name. Uh, there was, there was a time where you were making illegal black boxes. Never, never illegal black boxes. <laughs> never made it. No. Let me explain people. There was a time when there were not laws on the books. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they weren't. They, they weren't. It, illegal. it was considered a gray area <laughs> where I could take converter box and I could put a chip or two in there, and it would pick up HBO and Showtime and that everything for free. For free. Yeah. 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 Everything for free. And the porn, the porn channels, uh, uh, Playboy, you, all of it. You got that too. You, you got all of it, and the fights. Uh, you got all, you got all the pay per view, pay per views. Yes, yeah. I, I, so, e- everything. Yeah, so. to, to everybody at home, because there, there was always a guy you knew uh, who these, these black boxes were rumored, and if you could get a hold of it, uh, you could get everything for free. Well, see, you became one of the most popular people. Well, what happened in there? high school? Because everybody's de- everybody's <laughs> parents wanted that box from you, and yeah. Well, well, see, the thing is, and I mean, these boxes, not mine, but other people's boxes, they ran ads in Popular Mechanic, okay, right? Uh, a couple of scientific magazines. I used to see the ads in the Delta magazine on the plane. Okay, for these people. So this was a a legitimate a business. legitimate that the cable companies didn't like. Eventually, they were able to lobby and get the loss changed. Right, okay. right. And that's when I changed because I'm not going to jail for sure you know, for this. Sure, but, but it was it was a nice it was as, nice side income going well, on. This, right? The Cal, the UPS guy, you know he he would I would just tell him come around the back of the house if yeah. the, if the basement door is open just walk in. Okay, don't be knocking. Just walk in. If the door's closed, that means it's locked and I'm not here. Sure. Okay. And he would come in. He'd see all these converter boxes all around because I was repairing them. Yeah. Can you can you make those work for you know, HBO? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I could sell a few. And I said, well, <clears throat> that's not what these are for. So one day I put a few together and I said, I can give you 10, 
All right, and I said, I want a hundred bucks. Now I had paid fifty for everything. Sure. So, but hey, fifty bucks a pop, that's not a bad margin. Yeah. So he would come in and he would you know, he would hand me a thousand bucks and then he'd walk away with ten. Right. Two days later, he'd come can I get some more? Yeah. Can I get some more? Well, over the course of several months, he became the main distributor. Yeah, yeah, dealing. But the thing about us, if you bought one from a magazine, right, and it didn't work, or after a month, you know, it quit working, you're screwed. Yeah, you couldn't take it back. No, yeah. With us, we were the only ones that actually offered a fucking warranty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They repaired them. You know, and uh, I had a standing rule with them: if one of your customers come back and say my box isn't working. Just don't even call me. Just switch it out. Right, right, right. And then come back and say, okay, I took 10. Here's eight. And here's, uh, you know, two that I exchanged. Right. Fine. I'd fix them. They'd go for sale again. And, uh, I mean, it got to where, too, I mean, obviously I wasn't requiring cash in advance anymore with them. And uh, we made a lot of money, and we were, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 We were the kings of Atlanta. And again, until the uh, the rules changed. Until, until the rules changed. But I, I remember uh, friends of mine in high school because they were they were dying for those those boxes. And you were you were always like, let's just give it to your best friends, like your select best friends. Right. I ran into uh, I'm not going to say his name, but I, I ran into a, a buddy of mine's father about uh, maybe 15 years later after that. Right. And uh, to this day, he still talks about that. Oh man. <laughs> Your dad was a brilliant man. I, I had HBO right all the fights for free, all the Tyson fights for free. That was the greatest time of life. Uh, now I'm paying 150 dollars for cable. It sucks, uh, but he, he was always grateful. Well, and now today, you know, fast forwarding to today, the converter boxes on top of your TV aren't really cable boxes anymore. They right. are full blown computers. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah it's a different they are full blown computers. Yeah. So. Uh, even on the side of repairing them and that, you know, the complexity got to be so great, you know, compared to, you know, the margin I could make off of them that we just ended up not doing converter boxes at all. Right. You know, and no repairs, nothing. And uh, today we work strictly on the amplifiers that bring the, you know, the uh, signal from the satellite dish to your home. Sure. So, so after doing all this, when was the first year that you said, holy shit, I, I, th- I think I've made it or I think we've started to make it? I'm going to say maybe 1998. 98. Yeah, right about there. Where you were like, oh, man, uh, yeah. you, you, you bought your first gigantic office or warehouse at that point? Uh, no, you know, we never did buy we always just well, well i mean yeah but we, we did move. It. We, yeah we, yeah, yeah, we moved it. and uh sure we uh you know the thought bigger is better yeah okay so we went from three thousand square feet to twenty two thousand square feet holy shit yeah, yeah it was big yeah and uh we were in there for a few years and then that's when i said you know what we're not going to do it this way because bigger is not always better right okay <clears throat> excuse me and so what can happen is you're you're billing out a ton of money, but instead of making forty fifty percent margin, 
your margin is dwindling down because your costs are so high to where maybe you're making 10 to 15%. Hey, you got 30 employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not always the best. No. And I I think a lot of people found that out after, you know, 2008 where, you know, you had to cut, you know, everything imploded and then everybody started cutting. Then you realize, oh, shit. I didn't really need those those thirty fucking employees. I could have done that with ten or five. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. And that's where again, you know, if you're going to do a business, figure out where your break even is. Figure out where your equilibrium is. Right. And work to maintain that. A little growth is always good. That's that's. But you don't have to blow it through the roof in order to, you know, make it in business. Sure. So so ninety eight, you make it. Uh, what's your first big buy? What's your first big purchase? Uh, actually, my first big purchase was uh, in 1999, a brand new 1999 Lexus LX470. All right. There you go. All right. Was having a nice car dream growing up as a kid? Uh, oh, of course, because never, we never had a car. My parents never drove. Holy shit. They never drove a car. So You guys took the bus everywhere? It was the bus. Or we would walk for miles. And I'm not giving you a, oh, we walk for miles story. That's right, 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 how right. it was, yeah. okay? Uh, it wasn't until I was 12 and got a bicycle, finally my first bicycle, that I was able to expand my range, okay, as far as uh, getting out and people I you know knew in that. But we never, until my older brothers, you know, bought their own cars and would come, you know, by the house and whatever... We never had cars, so, and then as a young man, not making any money, but now I've got a family I'm starting to raise. Sure, we could only really afford one car. Okay, right. if I did get a second car, it was what we used to call a rust bucket. You know that you held your breath every time you tried to you know start it. Right, held it together with duct tape because of all the rust. You right, know, right, eating through it. Now. The good car always went to the lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah, it's yeah. what you... And then you drove the shitty car. And we, yeah. we take the shitty stuff. So, no. So, for me, this was a huge deal. And, of course, your mother immediately took it over. Well, that's my car. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that was fine. <laughs> yeah. That was good because it felt good to put her in that kind of a car. And I will tell you that uh, when we I first brought it home... She was nervous as hell to drive it because she says, "My God, I mean, it's 1999. This is a sixty thousand dollar automobile. Right? I, I can't do this. I can't drive this. And yes, you can. Yeah, it's 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 a weird thing. Well, for, I might wreck it. Yeah, fine. It's insured. It's it's a weird thing for a lot of people because I, I think in all the entrepreneurs we've talked to, um, you get to that one moment where you're like, oh shit." You're so worried about spending money because you don't have any. Right. Then you have it, and then you feel weird spending it. There's right. got to be that trepidation in your mind where you're like, oh, shit. I, I, wait, we we can't afford this. Everything's going to be okay. Well, the problem became, okay, so we had that car. Okay, a couple of years later, I got my new car. Right, right. Me, yeah. okay. Um, we, you know, your mother in particular always wanted to live by the beach. All right, and that was something we didn't think was ever, you know, going to happen. And uh, did you ever picture that as a kid? Not could, me. Could, yeah, could you dream that big as a kid to no. say to yourself, 
I'm going to be driving, you know, one of the nicest cars one day. I'm going to have a house on the beach one day that I'm going to build because you guys built that house. Right. Uh, could could you ever dream that big? Never did because it it was just too far out of reach. Okay, my dream was just to eventually have a car. Right. Didn't matter what it was. Didn't matter if a dog had ripped up the seats and what have you. If I had a car, that's what mattered. Right. Okay. If I had a screen door that didn't have a hole in it that would keep the you know the bugs out in the summer, that's that that was the dream. Sure. Then okay, and it really wasn't until God, I tell you, I mean, in the nineties when this business started actually making some money, right? That's when I started thinking I can have anything I fucking want. Right. Right. Okay, and. I wasn't going to rush right out and do everything at once because then it'll implode on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, and, and by the way, a lot of people do that. I've right. seen a lot of people do that in, in, in life right. where they get successful uh, and then they blow all of it. You save none of it. And then you, you got fucked somewhere along the way. Well, you know, when it comes to the house in Florida, I mean, we've been looking all just, you know, ads and stuff up and down the coast. And I came across an ad in Golf Digest. Of all things, right? It was a double page. Were ad. you on a plane? I was on a plane. <laughs> Every, you, I think all, people only read Golf Digest right, on a plane, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you know, I see this ad for Hammock Beach, Florida. It's going to have a Nicholas course and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, the dream. And so I don't know, just something hit me, and I said, you know, I think this is it. I got home on from that trip. I kept the magazine, not supposed to, but yeah, you know. And I said, look, sweetheart. That's our place right there. I think that's it. Right. So we made arrangements the next month to go down there and look at it. And um, we ended up buying a lot. Uh, and how old are you at this point in life? Oh, Lord. Let's see. That was 2004. So 40, uh, 43. 43. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, looking, yeah. looking back on it, though, yeah. that's not a bad age. To, no. to make it, to start right. thinking about making it. Right. Uh, and we should point out to, to the uh, audience at home that you still have this exact same company to this day. Bad math, bad math. Uh, and I do still have that company to this day. But no, I was actually uh, 50, 53. Oh, 53. So you're up by 10 years. Yeah. Failure. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, but 53 is still a great right. age of like, hey. That, that, that's, well, that's amazing. at this point, we're thinking... You weren't 93. We're, well, we're thinking a vacation home, eventual retirement. That's what was in the mind. Right. Okay. So we bought this lot in 2004. Nothing was built around us yet, so we didn't know if we made a good investment or not. Two years... We wanted to get the lot paid for. Again, we wanted to do things, you know, smart. So we wanted to get the lot paid for before we would consider building. Well, I was able to pay for the lot in two years. And then we went back down there and we saw all this shit going on around us. We saw the golf course was probably three months from, you know, opening. Right. Okay. And I thought, okay, this is it. So that's when we then sought out a builder. To, and, to, to build your dream house. 
Right. Okay. Took, took two years. There was so much activity going on that sure. it was just really you know hard. It was hard to keep progress going. Yeah, know. yeah. Well, look, they, that happens to everybody they, every day. Oh, so, yeah. But uh, but but at fifty three, you, you got to admit that's pretty impressive. You're building your dream house right. at fifty three, like, uh, and and you know, contemplating the rest of your life in retirement. Uh, that, that's pretty incredible. Well, they, and you still have the same company to this day. I do. Um, which is incredible. Yes. It is incredible, and in 2006, when we finished the house and we closed on it, we're walking through the house, and we just we got our keys. Yeah. It's ours. Yeah. So we're walking through this house, and it's a beautiful house. It's located right by the water, and I'm looking at Diane, my wife, and I'm saying, why are we making this our second house? Right. Why is this going to be a vacation retirement home? This has been your dream. Fuck that. I think we can make this work. Say, so let's give it two months. And then we can always just stay in Atlanta. Sure. Well, after about three weeks, we knew it would work. You know, I, uh, we live there full time. Right. Okay. Um, I'm at the point where I put in uh, three and a half days a week in the office. I commute back and forth and, no, I don't drive, even though it's only a six-hour drive. That right. that would get well, you're old. Well, si- you're 63 now. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I take Delta. You know, I fly back and forth. Sure. And uh, we have the best of both worlds. And, you know, even having that little bit of separation just makes it, in a way, kind of nice. We, we would do fine together, you know, 24-7. But being gone for three days, when I come home on Thursday— it's like a reunion. Yeah, and you guys have been married for for how long now? Thirty five years. Going to be uh, coming up on thirty six and uh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Valentine's Day. Of course, right? Of course. So, do you ever look back at your life and say, you know, you look around at the house, all the things you have? Do you ever look back and say, if if I never would have started this company, I never would have had any of this? Uh, no, I never really looked at that. You know, what I have done is I've looked back over my life and said. Could I have done things differently in my life? Okay. And uh, still, well, could you have done things differently and still made that kind of money? Well, the thing is, is you, everybody, okay, everybody out there, I'm telling everybody that's listening right now will say, man, if I could go back 10 years and redo this, if I could go back 20 years and redo that, if I could go back just two years. But you know what? That's why you never look back. That's why you never look back because, sure. You could have done things, you know, your mistakes. You could go back and erase your mistakes. But where would you be today? Right. Okay, that's the key. And if you like where you're at, and I love where I'm at, so all of my mistakes and any of my failures is what got me here. Right. It's it, it's all line, man. It's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just... All along, you you know, you change one thing, and who knows exactly, you know, where you're going to be. So, I mean, I am loving life. I'm loving my family to death. You know, yes, I'm 63. I've had people tell me, well, don't you want to retire? And uh, Yeah, yeah I, even I've said this to you. Well, yeah. you have. And the thing is, is that would I like not to have the pressures of needing to work? Of course. Right. But I have a good thing going right now. So I'm happy. 
Okay. Yeah. And so that's what everybody, if you're happy doing what you do, then do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause a, a lot of people say a lot of the same thing of like, uh, I don't know what I would be doing anyways in retirement or, or, or I love my job and I love what I do. Um, so, uh, the, the fact that you, you still do is amazing. Um, and before, before I, I, I let you get out of here, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you two more questions, right. two more life questions here. Lay it on me. Uh, what was the greatest disappointment in your life? The greatest disappointment in my life. It could be anything by the way, but is there anything you look back on and said, shit, I wish this was, was different or I wish I could have changed this. Well, I, you know, I would have to say, you know, when my mother, uh, she never was, you know, sick, sick, like with cancer or what have you, but I saw her getting really, really weak. Now I did, a, I was just starting to make some money, just starting. And I did my, uh, my brother, Bob and I, we kind of teamed up and we, you know, her biggest fear was ever having to go to a nursing home. Right. And we said, mom. We promise you, you will never have to go, okay? And we did a lot of things. I had another brother who wasn't really good at working or what have you, but we made a deal with him, live with mom. We're going we're gonna to give you an income and just take care of her, okay? And he did. He did a really good job, and we did a really good job. But right at the end, right at the end, um she had to be taken to the hospital and we don't know if she had a stroke or what. And they decided after, you know, treating her and that, that she needed to go to a nursing home for two weeks. It was supposed to be for two weeks. She died two days in that nursing home. Oh, wow. And, and that's probably my biggest regret because I promised her, no, you'll never have to go to a nursing home. And it was only going to be for a short period. And I thought, ah, that's fine. That's that's okay. She died. Did she die as a result of that? I don't know. But I'm just saying, if I had a re... Otherwise, I don't have any real disappointments. Okay. You, you know, but yeah. that that one does. That one bothers me. All right. And the, la the last question is, uh, what's the proudest moment of your life? <laughs> that's so fucking easy. What's that? That was the birth of Jax. Are you kidding me? Oh, uh, my, my son, your grandson. Yes, yes. That's great. And uh, just real quickly, we knew we were going to come to Wilmington, you know, for the birth. Right. That, that was always the plan. And we made it a point to be in Atlanta because we thought it would be easier, quicker to get from Atlanta here than from Palm Coast here. Right. Okay, so we had this all planned out. And... Six o'clock, six thirty, one evening. It was actually the evening of April the third. I get a call from Ross. We need you here. We need you here now. And uh, no problem. Get online with Delta. They got six flights a day coming in here. Right. I couldn't get a flight until ten thirty the next night. I could not fucking believe it. Mom's just starting to panic. My God, what are we going to do? I said, what do you mean, what are we going to do? Get your shit together. We're leaving. And by 7 o'clock, we were in the car. Just a yeah, you guys drove, yeah, you guys drove all night. Drove yeah. all night. Yeah. You yeah. know, so that we were here. And when we finally, we got here about 7. We got to the house. Uh, 
and then we waited until about 11 because we, you know, we wanted things to be kind of settled, you know, at the hospital and that before coming over and being able to see him. It was incredible. You know, I couldn't believe that, you know, I call it the cycle of life. You know, I'm born, I have kids. I raised the kids, and now they have kids. Right. It's a beautiful thing, man. Proudest moment. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, now's the point in the show where we get to the drinking bro of the week, and uh, I, I can say, uh, having you on the show, uh, you are my drinking bro of the week. Um, wow. I, I uh, appreciate everything you've done for me in my life. I appreciate the way you raised me. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but watching... You work as hard as you did growing up, being an entrepreneur, creating your own business, and going through life is what instilled in me my work ethic and uh, literally been able to give me everything I've been able to do in my life by learning from you. Um, and uh, I, I can say as a direct result is why I have everything that I do today. So I'm extremely grateful uh, for you. And uh, I just want to say I love you. Happy Father's Day. And uh, thank you for everything you've given me and taught me in this life. And uh, you are my drinking bro of the week, buddy. Well, you know, thank you. I mean, I love you too, obviously. And, you know, the honor of being drinking bro of the week. I mean, I, I, I've listened to every award that was given. Sure. You know, over 100, you know, out there. And to be put into that category, to be put in that company, with guys who some, and I've heard some of their stories. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I don't feel worthy, but I accept it with honor. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, th hey, thank you for doing the show. I love you, buddy. Um, look, for, for, uh, for, for Ross Patterson and my father, Jerry Lowry, uh, thank you for doing the show. Uh, good night, everyone, and, and happy Father's Day to all. Uh, we'll see ya. We'll see you soon, kids. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>